I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Market Watch podcast by Amplify Live, where you can access the latest market insights with me, Anthony Chung, the head of market analysis and joined by our head of trading, Piers Curran, getting you up to speed and what mattered in markets this week. Very good morning to you. It's Friday, 12th of March, and the latest episode of the Market Watch podcast. I'm joined by Head of Trading, Piers Curran, as ever, to go through some of the main themes of this week. And in focus is going to be two major questions. One, what's been happening in markets overall with what has been a a story of a little bit of recovery from where we were from... Uh, equity weakness under the pressure of yields rising. So we're going to drill into that in a little bit more detail. And then secondly, we had the ECB meeting with Christine Lagarde yesterday. So I want to get Piers' thoughts on that matter as well. So Piers, to kick things off, perhaps I can just add a bit of context to the week as a whole. We started off on a a pretty bearish footing, continuation almost of where we ended last week as people continue to obsess with inflationary expectations and yields rising. And consequently, that was weighing on global equity prices and precious metals uh, as well. However, from the bottom that we saw on Monday, things have seen a pretty decent about turn. Um, We're filming or recording this on on a Friday morning and the Dow has scaled a new record for the fourth straight session The NASDAQ is now less than 5% below its Feb 12th peak after slumping over 10% to confirm a correction at just the beginning of the week. So things that we've had, Biden now has been signed in, the 1.9 trillion stimulus bill. I know you want to go into that in a bit more detail. So that's been done. Vaccinations in the US continue to be deployed at a pretty solid rate. Uh, Biden's 100 million vaccines administered in 100 days. Well, Sleepy Joe says he can do it in 60 so he's getting ever more bullish with things. Jobless claims we had yesterday printed at 712,000 in the first week of March. It's the lowest reading we've had in about four months. 
And one of the main focal points that really helped markets midweek was core US CPI. Um, obviously, a lot of the market leaning on the side of increasing inflation expectations, almost the market uh, overstepping that and the data coming a little bit softer promoted some of that, that general uh, positivity. And then finally, we've had $120 billion in three, 10, 30-year bond auctions out of the US. People were incredibly apprehensive about that, given how poorly received, in fact, terrible seven-year auction two weeks ago. And these ones weren't great, but they went off without a hitch and the market liked that. So what's your take on this week as a whole? Yeah, I think that as we were talking about in last week's podcast, I think you know it got to the point where that um, investors being concerned about yields rising and being too high, um, and then the payrolls data came in and it was nice and solid, and we were like, well, okay, maybe now the positive economic story can retake the top spot let's say, in terms of what investors are looking at. And, and that whole yield concern tantrum thing will just kind of tail off a little bit. And I think that's what's happened this week. Um, obviously, I think that that COVID, you know, the idea that the vaccine rollout is going to be faster than we previously thought is probably the biggest positive with regards to people's, you know, adjusted, upward adjusted, you know, forward looking economic expectations. But then, of course, you know, this stimulus package has been signed off. I mean, we knew it was coming, but the fact it's been done, you know, there's there's ink on the paper, Biden has signed it and it's and it's done. And I think that that kind of, you know, that that what lingering tiny amount of uncertainty as to whether that would happen or not has now gone. I think it's interesting to see and think about how how that stimulus package might might impact the economic situation in the near term we were talking about you know because remember this isn't the first stimulus package but by any means and actually just as a reminder so we just had biden sign off a one package and that's now three trillion in total that's been signed off since december that's in like two and a half three months that's three trillion then that doesn't include and actually if you add it up the total crisis spend now all right they haven't spent it yet but the, they've committed to 6 trillion um the US government add on the fact the fed and the treasury are basically pumping in at, you could say let's say 2 and a half trillion into the banking system so that's like 8 and a half trillion of stimulus plus interest rates are at zero and will be for years and years and years. All right. So, you know, what one thing you can't blame the US authorities, you cannot blame them. They have not, you know, they've they've underestimated or, or they they've 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 reacted in an underwhelming way. That that's not the case. They've they've definitely got the bat out here. And I think this last and latest stimulus package is really just added a bit more fuel to the confidence that that we, you know, the worst is behind us on this COVID crisis and the US are gonna come back firing. And so I know with the stimulus checks then, there's a threshold to this. There's a bit more detail and this is new to this package. So can you explain that a bit more? Yeah, so basically this package, so they got a check back in December and we'll talk about that in a minute actually in terms of the behavior because you know, what do people do with this money, right? One thing is getting it. The, the second question is, what do they do with it? But look, this one is going to be $1,400. The one in December was $600. So this is where Biden's getting to his promised $2,000 check that he was talking about in his campaign, right? Um, so they're going to get $1,400. But the, 
income thresholds have been lowered. So basically, you only qualify for the full 1400 bucks if you as an individual earn less than $75,000. Um, if you earn between 75000 and 80000 then you'll get a check, but it'll be on a, an ever-tapering amount. If you earn more than 80000 you get nothing, okay? Then it's a bit different with households and married couples. You kind of add it together. But essentially, you know, it's that 75 grand um, kind of mark. So those that are going to receive the money are the lower to middle income uh, portion of the economic society. So the, the rich aren't going to get anything here, which is obviously quite right. And, and then what's interesting with this, of course, is that on Tuesday next week, we get the latest US retail sales report. And just to Remind everyone, the last retail sales report we had came in at 5.3% month on month. That smashed estimates of 1.1 because, of course, that was already factoring in the prior stimulus check. And interestingly here, then, the biggest increase, uh, in fact, from that, that um, very strong number was seen in sales at electronics and appliance stores, of all things. Right. So what is that? Is that, is that people... people Topping up, re refresh on the plasma and getting themselves a nice little tabletop to sit it on. 100%. Yeah, this is so that this is a really good case study for what's going to happen now with this $1,400 check that's going to hit the doormat in the, the weeks ahead. So in December, they got a $600 check. Okay. In January, retail sales spiked as people spent this money. And as you said, they spent it on things like electronics. So what's going to happen this time? Well, another $1,400 is going to hit the doormat. So, and, and the important thing here is to think about the demographic of those that are going to receive the money and how they behave as consumers. So this is, as I said, the lower to middle income bracket. It's not the upper income bracket, which makes a big difference when it comes to predicting how much of this money will actually get spent. Um, normally, if you're, if you're the rich, then you get a $1,400 check into into the account and it's like okay fine well i've got money already you know i can buy what i want already another 1400 bucks well fine um you know i'm not going to spend it or at least i'm not going to spend all of it right now if you go flip to the opposite end of the spectrum if you're the lower income you get 1400 bucks it's like wow that's gonna that's a game changer i'm gonna go out and spend all of that so that's really important to understand that this 1400 dollars is going to get spent um now, what does it get spent on? I mean, it's not like, you know, you know, it's not like Anthony Chung, you know, it's, it's not like on your iPhone 12, pulling the trigger on a new pair of Gucci sneakers. You know, this, is, <laughs> this is people that, you know, this can make a genuine difference. All right, they're going and buying a new flat screen TV or whatever it, whatever it might be. But the point is that money is going to get out into the system and it's going to be spent. And I think so that's- how much, how much of that then jumping in? is going to be yeah. retail inflows into the US stock market. I mean, there's been, there's been survey data of this. Uh, Deutsche was the main one that came out about two weeks ago. And they were saying that on average basis, 37% of that entire paycheck, the people surveyed said they'd spend by buying stocks. And that, that equates to a nominal value of $170 billion. Who was, who was surveyed? What was the demographic of the, those that were surveyed, though? Uh, I'm, I'm afraid I've been duped into the sensational headlines of uh, yeah. 
I mean, I, I, don't know, I don't know what proportion of those surveyed won't actually get any money because they're in the higher income bracket. I don't know the answer to that, but oh, that, that fills me with dread. The idea that this 1400 bucks is then going to get, you know, open your, your, your trading account and buy some GameStop shares that, that would be, that would be a real shame. Uh, I think that would defeat the entire purpose of this, you know, government stimulus initiative. Um, this, this needs to be, it's not just money going to people's bank accounts from the government's strategy point of view. It's money going to people's bank accounts that then gets spent. So then that means retailers benefit and it kind of goes down the, you know, the economic chain, right? That money gets recycled over and over again. That's the idea. And then that boosts genuinely boosts economic output. If you go and stick it on GameStop, it helps no one. Uh, you're banking on a lot of uh, goodwill and unity amongst the, the great US nation to, um, <laughs> to play true to the government strategy there. So I guess we'll find out uh, shortly. But look, let's move on to the second yeah. uh, talking point of the week, which was the ECB. Uh, so it was just yesterday. Overall, the market didn't really react too much. And in fact, the most surprising element came in um, the first part of the event, so not actually typically the press conference, but actually the statement where the ECB added in an additional phrase, based on joint assessment of financing conditions and the inflation outlook, the governing council expects purchases under the PEP, so the Pandemic Emergency Purchase Program, over the next quarter to be conducted at a significantly higher pace than during the first months of the year. And that did at the time when that came out catch intraday speculators a little bit by surprise. The euro dropped, in fact, initially equities uh, and German European fixed income uh, bonds rallied. So any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I think as a headline, it, it's a great headline, you know, to grab, a oh my God, the ECB are accelerating their bond buying program. You know, as a standalone headline, that's like, wow, okay, ramping up stimulus. Okay, great. This is good news go under that headline and it's not it's not that you know basically what they they slowed down their purchases in quarter 1 right and so now they're speeding up their purchases to really offset that slowdown that's behind us i mean just to put some numbers on it in quarter 1 so far obviously quarter 1 hasn't quite finished yet but they've been um pumping in 14 billion euros per week which is a drop on the rate that they were doing in quarter four last year. And it might be now that they're going to increase the pace. Maybe they go up to 25 billion. I don't know. But the point is their overall package hasn't changed. They, they said at the start, this is a 1.85 trillion euro stimulus package. That has not changed. The size of it hasn't changed. All they're saying is we're speeding up a little bit. Because, well, they didn't even say a little bit. They, what was the word they used? Dramatically increasing. Significant. Or significant is the word. All right, fine. So we're not quite sure. The, we can't quantify what significant means in terms of the, they didn't put a number on it, which is why it dilutes, in my opinion, the sort of importance of this. But from what I can see, they're not increasing the size of the overall package. They're just changing the rate at which it's being delivered. Um, so for me, I don't think this changes anything. Now, as you said, markets on the short term got caught a little bit by surprise yesterday. And 
I'm just looking at the euro. I mean, the euro dropped. Ironically, then the euro rallied. I mean, normally, if stimulus is increasing, right, that devalues your currency. So you'd expect the euro to drop, which it did initially. But then by the end of yesterday's session, the euro dollar was kind of back up trading. You know, the euro had strengthened overall. And seeing this morning, though, the euro's come back off quite heavily. Um, and now we're trading below the levels we were prior to that ECB um, conference yesterday. But so overall, now you've got a touch of euro weakness, but it hasn't changed much. Look, the dust will settle on this. I don't think this isn't a major change in ECB policy. Yeah, no, I agree. And how much then uh, at this point, you said the you know, euro dollar pair is weakening as we speak, but how much at the moment? I mean, in my mind, this, is, this isn't to do with the European, even the sterling narrative at the moment. This is a dollar story that's driving um, global FX markets and all markets from the movement of US yields typically. Uh, is that how you see it? Yeah. Um, and I think, I think we're all, you know, sitting and waiting in the passenger seat as to uh, see what the US do. You know, when, when we talk about this 1.9 trillion stimulus in the US, really that, yeah, that's US stimulus, but it's also, that's global stimulus, right? And I think that we're all in the passenger seat tagging along for the ride, you know, on the US coattails. And it's great news what's happened in the US. It's great news for all of us. And I think with, with Europe to a certain degree, obviously their response to this crisis has been a lot less significant than the US's, but of course they benefit from the US. So I guess... Yeah, definitely some dollar strength um, coming through. Perhaps that's more of a reason for the move we've seen in euro dollar um, overnight as US yields tick back higher. So perhaps, it, but look, if you're sat as a trader and you're glued to the ECB press conference and you're kind of hanging on their every word and you want something, you know, a little tidbit to kind of can latch onto, then that's what happened yesterday. It was that headline, oh my God, they've increased the pace of bond purchases, right? Sell the euro. Uh, that's that kind of knee-jerk response as a kind of short-term trader. I think when you step back, it's like, well, actually, nothing's really changed in the grander scheme of things here. Okay, so it seems it seems like you know we're in we're in agreement in regards to the kind of U.S. leading things at the moment, whether that being yield, dollar, uh, and so on. So next week is, of course, the FMC meeting coming out Wednesday, as per normal. And just to remind everyone. The last major speech, you remember Powell and his colleagues were coming out in force whilst all this yield fanfare was doing the rounds because that's their strategy. They want to keep markets you know, assured and calm as possible. And so at a Wall Street Journal jobs summit on March 4th, he said, quote, we're still a long way from our goals of maximum employment and inflation averaging 2% over time. So how do you, how do you see that meeting playing out, Piz? Um so I see the meeting playing out exactly as it, as it has done last time, exactly in line with Powell's comments 10 days ago, in that the Fed are nowhere near ready to even suggest that they're going to start to look at taking their foot off the stimulus pedal. Now, it'll be really interesting to see what happens this, uh, sorry, next, start of next week. So the Fed meeting's on Wednesday, right? So we're going to hear from them on Wednesday. What happens Monday? What happens Tuesday with US yields? Because actually, I'm just looking now, US yields are, are retesting the highs, if you like. So if US yields get back on the upside next week, it'll be interesting to see, well, obviously, how quickly yields might rise. But then the more yields rise, the more 
investors' appetite will be to want to hear some reassurance from the Fed that we're going to do something about higher yields. And I think that might play into how markets behave ahead of the Fed. I think no matter what happens to yields, the Fed will toe the line and keep their comments exactly as they have been. They're not taking their foot off the gas. And I think that will disappoint some who really want them to act to curb this upside on yields. So it'll be interesting to see. Okay. And, and as ever, myself and the, the team will be covering that in, in full live on AmplifyLive.com uh, if you want to join us for that. But look, let me just wrap up the rest of the, the week uh, next week in terms of what's to come. So Monday, you get Chinese industrial production, US, New York, Empire Manufacturing. Tuesday, we will come in here in London to see what the RBA minutes had to say. Then we get the German ZEW. That US retail sales report we spoke about is coming Tuesday afternoon with industrial production. Wednesday, not only the Fed, you get the weekly DOE oil inventories, which have been incredibly erratic of late, understandably so, given the great freeze that we had a few weeks ago. So people have been willing to look through those numbers for the time being. So we'll see whether they start to normalize out a little bit more. Um, Wednesday, you also get housing starts, building permits from the States. Thursday, Aussie jobs data overnight. You've then got the Bank of England meeting, uh, US Philly Fed weekly jobless claims, 10-year tips auction, and then we finish off the week with the BOJ meeting. Final word, Piers, BOE, BOJ, should I um, not bother getting out of bed that morning? Or? Nah, hit the snooze. <laughs> There's nothing coming from those guys that's going to change anything. Cool. All right. With that, we'll wrap it up. Thank you for joining us for this latest episode of The Market Watch. If you are new to the podcast, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, please do feel free to, to follow, subscribe, depending on your platform. And be amazing if listening on Apple, if you could drop us a rating and review uh, and a comment. That'd be fantastic. Otherwise, hope everyone has a great weekend and take care. Thanks, Piers. Have a good weekend. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.